You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? Arjo Achoe here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are, as well as it can be. Uh, we hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and we are here for an emergency discussion of sorts. Time to sound the alarms. A roundtable panel here uh, at Blogging the Boys. Tony Catalina going clockwise here from bloggingtheboys.com. Underneath him, David Howman. You can read both of their fine work at Blogging the Boys. And Bobby Belt, whose new show, uh, an old show, Cowboys Cast, has made its triumphant return to the Blog of the Boys podcast network, is here as well. We are all here to react to the news that dropped a few hours ago. Dallas Cowboys pass rusher, the always underappreciated Demarcus Lawrence, now has a broken, fractured foot, however you want to put it. Uh, our pets' heads are falling off, so to speak, is what I told Tony when we got in here. Uh, Bobby, I'll go to you first. How are you feeling? And, uh, you know, what do we do from here? Russell Dyer says, time to sign Alden Smith. So I don't know if you agree with that, Bobby. That'll never happen. They're <laughs> never going to bring Alden Smith back. Um, there's been a bunch of names that people have been floating out there. Alden Smith won't happen. Um, I don't think Vic Beasley would happen. Um, I don't know that he and Dan Quinn quite saw eye to eye. Um, Olivier Vernon won't happen. Olivier Vernon tore his Achilles at the end of last season, and he, from talking to people he's still rehabbing that he's not healthy he can't play for anybody right now um but i mean they're in a bad spot that i i mean there's no doubt about it i mean even when demarcus lawrence isn't getting sacks the defense is just clearly better with him on the field and so uh i mean you were already thin with randy gregory but i mean at least that's just a single week um uh, i mean they're gonna be in a weird spot you may see a lot of michael parsons and Jalen smith rushing the passer but I mean, it's pretty terrifying to think you're going Terrell Basham and Dorrance Armstrong for potentially like 60 snaps on Sunday. Uh, Shout out to Alex Pierce Ling here on the stream with us. We are streaming live on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel and Blog of the Boys Facebook page. Alex with the super chat says, no no lack of confidence here. I think Dallas beats the Chargers. Uh, Definitely, I think, um, you know, a lone wolf. Me too. Uh, I mean, hey, I think, you know, there's certainly reasons to believe that that could happen. Uh, Bobby, you touched on options for the Cowboys to replace Demarcus Lawrence that the, the timeline that's been kind of thrown out is six to eight weeks um Howman it's it's tough to kind of figure this out here Akeem says next man up let's go 16 games left uh crap happens it's a family show everybody it's not uh, what he said you know just whatever Jose says how why does defense always hold us back Howman the Cowboys are going we're going to play this game down two starters on offense Michael Gallup with the calf strain and Lyle Collins with the suspension Bobby mentioned Randy Gregory does seem like he's going to miss this game that's at least what Mike McCarthy intimated today in his press conference he's on the reserve COVID-19 list so now you're down two offensive starters two defensive starters and your two defensive ones are your pass rushers your top pass rushers uh when you're a team that didn't get a single sack last week granted Tampa has an elite offensive line but the Chargers offensive line not bad by any any stretch um i mean if you were a what at one to ten you were a what on the cowboys defense and now you're a what um i was a uh i'll cheat and say i was a wait and see on the defense and i'm still mm, in that mode definitely cheating, cheating. um yeah 
Um, but I think uh, uh, also to your point about missing starters, they're also still short Neville Gallimar, who's out. Right, um, obviously, point. he'll be out. And then Donovan Wilson reaggravated his groin injury that he had during training camp. So could be more than just just those two by the time we actually get to the game. Um, being positive. But Appreciate I think, it, uh, <laughs> to, to be positive, I think this is going to be an interesting point to see um, just how creative Dan Quinn can be. Um, because he's he's obviously a very uh, a very successful defensive mind in Seattle, and then didn't have as much success in Atlanta. But he's shown already in Dallas that he's changed his scheme up a bit. He's been open to more concepts, um, and having somebody like Micah Parsons that he moves around a lot, having some versatility with how he used his safeties in in Week One. Um, I think this is going to really show us what Dan Quinn is capable of doing when he doesn't have elite talent like. You know, like he had in Seattle with Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor, uh, and now he is short his two best pass rushes by far, and we get to see what he gets to do. Um, that that is some optimism, uh, you know. And I think not that you're like pumped about this, Hammond, but you know, people are like, this isn't the time to experiment. You know what I mean? Like that that time has come and gone. Um, so you know, that is uh, a difficult hurdle to get over. Uh, J Rod says on YouTube, the sky's falling and it's barely Wednesday. We still got four more days to go to see if anything else happens. LOL. To your point about Donovan Wilson, um, you know, things can can really kind of shift, uh, certainly in a darker sense. Obviously, it, it feels like everything is really bad already. Uh, Tony Tanner says on YouTube, got to have Parsons rushing the passer much more now. Or is, is that the most obvious answer here? I mean, there, there are other you know, routes to pursue. There are other players to pursue. Uh, we can all cross our fingers for Dorrance Armstrong. Jerry Jones certainly believes. Uh, we all believe in Bradley and I, Terrell Bash and Bobby mentioned. I mean, there are names, uh, but at the end of the day, is this something that Micah Parsons maybe lifts? I mean, without a question, now they got to get creative a little bit, right? I mean, it's, it's one thing to be down Randy Gregory for the week for COVID. And now you're looking at uh, Tank Lawrence being out as, as long as he is. Um, as far as week two goes, it's a tough deal to look at this defensive line and say, um, you know, roll out there with what you got. Now you're going to get creative. You're going to be different with your and multiple with your alignment. And, you know, maybe Jalen Smith has to rush the pass a little bit. Maybe Micah Parsons takes on a bigger load. So it, they're just going to have to figure out different ways, you know, to attack it. And, you know, it might be one of those things they're going to have to use over the next month and a half. So uh, we'll see what they got in store and what they've been practicing all training camp. Uh, another shout out to Alex Pierceling for the second super chat. Alex, you're in the early runnings for our MVP. Calvin Ridley was uh, was in the running, as you can see from Bobby's jersey. Uh, Bobby, Alex says if Dallas wins, honestly, it will make this team better. Is this one of those games? Like, is this now because it, the sky is falling? Everything's terrible. Everything sucks. I mean, if the Cowboys go to L.A., beat the Chargers, come home for a Monday night game against Philly, I think we all think that the four games after this before the bye are much friendlier. I think we all are maybe not too impressed by what Philly did in Atlanta, but you've got Philly, you've got Carolina, you've got the Giants, and then you're on the road in New England. Granted, a tough place to play, but they're not the same team they used to be, as we all know. Is this a springboard type of, you know, rally around, you know, the cause, Bobby? You know, it's us against the world type thing? I I think it all depends on how they win, if they were to win that game. I mean, if they win the game, that's obviously encouraging, but I think it – how they win would determine how excited you can feel about the next several weeks without Demarcus Lawrence in there. Um, you know, if they show they can get pressure and and scheme things up, um, and and they win that way, or, or that's a big contributing factor, you can come away feeling good about it. But I mean, if it's a 
a shootout and Justin Herbert's standing back there with all day and, you know, throwing for 400 yards and just Dak happens to outduel him. Um, that's concerning for the future. I think, um, you'll still take a victory and a victory on the road against a good football team. But, um, I, I think the, the thing I'd most feel good about if they still go in there and win, and this is something that I think you and I talked about, um, offline, uh, after the Tampa game, which is that's a team that last year would have folded uh, early again with everything that went on in Tampa, like those missed kicks and, um, some of the issues that cropped up during that game against Tampa, the, the 2020 Cowboys fold pretty quickly and probably get blown out in that game. So there was at least some encouraging aspects of that in terms of that they, you know, showed resolve and, and that they were able to hang in there. Um, so if they were to win, that would again be a second consecutive week where you can see in the face of challenges that they showed resolve and that they're able to, you know, keep things together. And, and that's a big question, I think, for Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys in general um, heading into this season. And so if they're able to do that, then, yeah, those are encouraging aspects of it. But, I mean, overall, like, it's tough to spin this to where you're going to feel any better after this week, regardless of what happens. You're going to feel any better than you do right now that Demarcus Lawrence is gone. Yeah, I think the only way would be if, you know, if Dorrance Armstrong went off, you know what I mean, if Terrell Basham, like, you, you know, you would you would lie to yourself, you know what I mean? We would all lie to ourselves and tell us that that was the case. Halman, two for you. First of all, deep-fried sexy says holy crap mr Hellman with the ray of sunshine so i don't know if you're a deep fried guy Hellman. maybe you're <laughs> eating lean it's football season so there's a lot of fried foods going on here uh but to bobby's point michael says on facebook this team is so dak dependent um i think we all know that does this add to his responsibility if that were possible if you could quantify the addition of responsibility here because you know Dak was marvelous against Tampa and, you know, people don't appreciate things. You know, he didn't get the win. Tank doesn't get the sacks, whatever. Uh, does, is, is the pressure higher or more elevated on Dak Prescott than it already was? Because now the cow, you can make an argument that the Cowboys are now down, at least for this week, their two best defensive players. I don't know if it's necessarily higher, but only because I don't think that it could have gotten too much higher. Um, my, my first thought after the DeMarcus Lawrence news was this is still I mean, this team is going to go as Dak Prescott goes. As long mm -hmm. as Dak Prescott is out there and he's throwing passes and Kellen Moore is calling plays for him, um, I think they have a shot to win every single game that they're playing. I, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will win every game, and I think the odds of that are pretty low. Um, but, I mean, this is a defense that we were talking about in the preseason of, like, if they can just be average and or realistically just not as terrible as they were last year, they have a shot because Dak Prescott gives you that shot. Um, and and to also add another ray of sunshine, I, I am a little bit bullish on Terrell Basham too. Um, he actually, last year with the Jets, he led the team in pressures, and that was a, a pretty good Jets defense, people forget. And among edge defenders, he was uh, in the top 10 in run-stop win rate. So he can help in pass rush. He can help in run defense, two things that you're really going to miss with Demarcus Lawrence. He obviously won't be as good, but I think he can do something. Um, I think that's well said. I think maybe you're the only person who's bullish on Terrell Basham. I know Bobby's big on him. Um, I'm well. a, I want. I just. I want David to give the pregame speech before yeah. uh, Sunday's game, like well, just I, making them believe in themselves. I don't want to like steal somebody's username, but I think Halman, you are the new deep fried sexy. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's just. I'll look to see if that's open. 
Uh, thank you again to Alex for the super chat. Um, says LA has Herbert, Dallas has Kellen Moore. That's where this game is going to be won. Um, if you didn't think it was going to be a shootout before, uh, it's it's hard to believe that you know it's not going to be that way. Part of the reason the Cowboys couldn't sack Tom Brady at all last week was because he got the ball out so quickly. Two point three nine per second uh, average time to throw. Justin Herbert or two point three four, excuse me, had a, a, an average time to throw two point three nine seconds. So just behind him. Uh, with regards to this matchup specifically, Tony, uh, it does feel like. I mean, we were already talking about Joey Bosa's got to be licking his chops with Lyle Collins out. Now Justin Herbert's got to say, okay, great. Like, I, you know, I don't need to get the ball out quick. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, I'm not going to be in any rush in any way, sense, or form. I mean, if you look at it the way Justin Herbert's probably looking at this, I mean, he's not scared, right? I mean, you're looking at this defense and you're seeing, you know, like Howman said, Donovan Wilson dealing with a groin. You're looking at our best pass rusher, best defensive player overall is out for a while. Like, it, I mean, you can kind of look at the way that teams talk about the Cowboys defense over the last few years. Um, nobody's really afraid of it. And we really haven't given us a reason to. And if you look at the amount of injuries and things that they're dealing with and obstacles, whether it be COVID or not, um, Justin Herbert, you know, he's going to come in with some confidence as a young quarterback. He's going to feel like he can move the ball on us. Um, Bobby, what's the bigger drop off? Lyle Collins to Terrence Steele, which is what Jerry Jones said is going to be the case. I know Mike McCarthy denied that or didn't deny, but just didn't confirm that on Wednesday. Or Demarcus Lawrence to Terrell Basham. Um, I, I mean, I you given what we've seen from you know Terrence Steele, I think you would lean towards Steele, but it, oh, it's a little complicated. Right, things it's, aren't it's, terrible it's, here. It's, right. No, no, it's a little complicated because I think that you know you've heard. Positive things from them. It remains to be seen how positive it is. But you've heard positive things from them about Terrence Steele's improvement. So we don't know what kind of a player he is this year yet. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is I don't think that's the right question necessarily. I think the better question is which is the bigger drop-off, Lyle Collins to Terrence Steele or the combined drop-off of Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence to, you know, Terrell Basham and Dorrance Armstrong, which in that case, it's a bigger drop-off to your two defensive ends. I mean, you're missing three starting defensive linemen probably and your assistant defensive line coach who also got hurt today. That's right. Like that's how, that's how bad the injuries are now. (laughs) Uh, Um, I mean, it's, it it is kind of funny to think like when that game ended, like we knew kind of where the injury situation was when that game ended. Like if I would have told you like, yeah, next week they're going to have to play without both their starting defensive ends and their starting right tackle. It just, it would have seemed like inconceivable, but I mean, they're here. They are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it sucks right like that's that's where we're at i think people are are willing to kind of just say i'm you know the randy thing isn't a big deal just because it, it's it feels smaller it's only one game that he's you know conceivably going to miss um is this the biggest game that demarcus lawrence is going to miss howman if we assume he's out let's let's say through the bye maybe into into part of the season after the bye between now and then again you got chargers you got eagles on the night football you got the panthers and giants Nobody's messing around. That those aren't big losses. Uh, you got the Patriots and the Cowboys run a bye. They return on Halloween night uh, to play the Minnesota Vikings. And and to be clear here, people are gonna freak out, right? If the Cowboys lose, we're gonna hear nothing about like even though now we're at 17 games of the regular season, playoff odds when you start off 0 2, blah blah blah, whatever. But if you lose to the Chargers, I would a thousand times, I think everybody agrees, rather lose to the Chargers than the Vikings or even the Panthers just because of the way the playoff formula works. And so, but is this the biggest game for Tank to miss in that potential stretch? I would say, yeah. Um, and uh, especially because the Chargers are 
very much a team on the on the rise right now. A lot of people uh, have them as a dark horse pick to sneak into the playoffs at the end. They obviously have Justin Herbert, who won Rookie of the Year. Um, they have a, a young new head coach who did great in L.A. last year as a defensive coordinator. Um, so I think that's one of those losses where, like, if if we do and the Cowboys do end up losing this game, um, you can kind of look at it as, well, it, it, it's not like they lost to the Eagles, you know, right? Um, which could also happen the week after. We don't know, um, but we'll keep it positive. Um, and uh, I think that just in general, when you look at this schedule, the most of their hard games are at the in the back half of this schedule. We knew that week one was going to be really difficult with the Buccaneers, but I mean, you're talking about the Saints, the Chiefs, um, so many divisional games right there at the end. The Cardinals right. looked really good last week. Um, so if you had to pick a time to lose people like Leo Collins, people like Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, it might be now. It's it's obviously never ideal to lose them, but if you have to lose them, it's... Ooh, Bobby, you, know, you disagree. I, I mean, my whole thing is, like, this is the cupcake part of the schedule. This is where if you're going to contend at the end of the year, like, you need to be winning games around here. Right. You know, the game's, the game's going to be tough enough in the second half of the season with Demarcus Lawrence. It just feels like almost bad luck in that, yeah, I know this is... You can look at it from that perspective that this is where you'd rather have him out as, as the games against easier opponents. But you're also looking at you're getting now to a point where you're more leveling the playing field against what were supposed to be cupcake games that you're supposed to sail through because the second half of the season is going to be hard enough. I think that's a good point. Like these are the games I, I'm a firm believer in. There are three types of games. There are the games you're supposed to lose. Right. I think we all would have said like Tampa's a game they're supposed to lose. Kansas City's a game they're supposed to lose. Maybe some people would have put this game in, in that category. There's games you're supposed to win, like the Panthers are a game they're supposed to win. At, say, Washington now, New York, right? Like those are, you know, so you got these two boxes, then you got these coin flip games. Like Atlanta's kind of a coin flip. Maybe not now, but, you know, like coming to Minnesota's no. kind of a coin flip game. Uh, Arizona's a little bit of a coin flip game. So to Bobby's point, I guess, those games that you were supposed to win now go into the coin flip box. And so you're you're playing with the math a little bit there. But, I mean, obviously, to your point, Howman, if you have to miss anybody important in any stretch, you want it to be against the subpar teams. Um, Tony, I'll ask you this, and then I want to get to Mike McCarthy. Thank you again to Alex Piercing with the super chat. Alex, Alex you are and, rich. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, says, even with all of this, Dallas is still better than the whole division. Tony, do you agree? 100%. Like we, we Homer, touched on Homer. It. He's a Homer. Tony <laughs> I think it's within reason, within ration to think that, I mean, Philly, we, t we discussed it last night, you know, it, it was last night or last week, a mirage for Philly. I mean, Washington's missing their starting quarterback and we know the New York giants stink. So with that being said, we're sitting here, we're still looking at, we got QB one, we got number four there. We can, we can go out there and, and we can duke it out with anybody offensively. Can we stop somebody that's yet to be seen? We'll see what's going to happen here. Yeah, I agree. As long as Dak Prescott's in the fold, um, I, I believe it was John Mishota who said this uh, on an episode of Girls Talking Boys, which you can listen to on the Blog on the Boys podcast network. He, he was talking about it more from like a roster construction standpoint, you know, how people throw out the term window and whatnot. Um, and his point was, as long as Dak is there, they have a window. You know, like, I don't care what happens to Tyron or Lyell or Demarcus or whoever. The window is open because of Dak. Bobby, I want to ask you this because uh, you are a Mike McCarthy hater. Um, and, uh, the lunatic says McCarthy seat is warming up. If he continues with his mismanaged decision and plays, I'm not here to talk about the Tampa game, whatever. I put that, those decisions on John Fossil and his undeniable love for Greg Zerline, but that is what it is. 
I think, and I am not trying to cape, but yes, Mike, Mike McCarthy is about to begin his 18th game as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And in that time, okay, Travis Frederick retired, fine, whatever. He, and, and he has lost for different periods of time, different elongated periods of time, Dak Prescott, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins twice. Okay. Mike McCarthy is going to go his first 22 games as the head coach of the Cowboys and only have had Lyle Collins for one game. Leighton Vanderish last year, he's lost other players for little spells, but you know, that is what it is. And now Demarcus Lawrence, you can make an argument. He's lost. Oh, and Zach Martin, he's lost maybe four of the team's best five players for different stretches of time in his first 18 games as the team's head coach. That's unreal. You done? I am done. Now I'd okay, like to good, respond. Good, good, good. Uh, first off, I thought there was a good note um, from John Machota that I heard on uh, the Athletics podcast where he had said that um, when Lyle, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith all play, do you know what the team's record is all time when they all three play? Lyle, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should all guess. Tony, you should go first because I'm still thinking. <laughs> I couldn't even. I How couldn't even put a number. Bobby? Give us, give us a number yeah. of games. Fifty-one. Mm. Oof. What mm. is it? We talking thirty-nine and twelve? RJ, Howman. Uh, I'm going to say twenty-five. Twenty-five and twenty-six. I'm going to say. So we're talking like Travis Frederick isn't involved here, or is he? No, we're talking about Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, and Tyron <laughs> Smith. So over the last two years, um, oh, so I guess we're counting 2018. So 17 and 2016, and so it's it's gonna be like 13 and 28, something like that. No, it's not that bad. It, Dave hit it. It's 25 and 26. Dave, uh, they're, they're, holy crap, deep fried sexy. They're, they're, which, by, which, by the way, I looked it up. That's like a, a like some folk duo, so you can't have that Twitter handle. I'm sorry. Um, but, um, so, I mean, sure, he, he's, he's been without these, but, I mean, it's not like they've got, like, a great record with all three of them there in there. Anyway, now they're good players. I don't want to make it sound like that doesn't matter. A lot of that mm. came from. 2015 where they went four and 12 and right. they won the first two games of the year one of them with ron leary in there and so <laughs> i get it's a little underwater to start but you'd figure it'd be a better record than that but no i think that i think the joneses are going to make all the same sort of excuses you just made for him so it's but kind of valid are they not how many no. are those not valid data points no that, no that no, has no, lost no no the, no hold these on, essential hold on, hold players on. no hold on it's not valid because it's the, the greatest – one of my favorite quotes of all time is from A Bug's Life where uh, Princess <laughs> Ada is making all these excuses and Hopper walks up to her and says, first rule of leadership, everything is your fault. And that's the case. Everything is your fault when you're the head coach. You can't say, well, Bones Fossil did this. Well, he oversees Bones Fossil. It's his fault. Mm. He oversees so much of this stuff. He's the one who didn't have him prepared last year. He's the one who ultimately is responsible, even if it's a collaborative effort. He's the one ultimately responsible for – what they have in terms of depth behind players. He's the one that's responsible for running Terrence Steele out there last year and this year. That's fair. So, I mean, there's no, I think there's a lot of issues with Mike McCarthy, and I don't think we've seen really any benefits yet. I, I don't know what he does really well for, for this team. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, I mean, at this point, 
I know everybody thought it couldn't get worse than Jason Garrett. I think Jason Garrett would have done a better job the last two years coaching this team than Mike McCarthy. Well, the last two years includes Jason Garrett, to be clear. I mean, you're talking the last year and this year, the, well, last, the last 17 two games, okay. the last two seasons. All right. Howman, you've heard, I can't, I don't mean to be like the McCarthy guy. Um, you know, the McCarthy project's already a thing. I'm just, I, Bobby, what you said has, has merit, but I'm saying there, there's a point of maybe call it sympathy from Mike, or Mike McCarthy in this. It sucks. And, and other teams deal with things that suck all the time. How many, where are you at? Somewhere in the middle. Um, also is, um, is a bug's life among your favorite Pixar films. A bug's life is pretty great. Um, I think I'm, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely somewhere in the middle. Um, By the way, I, Calvin, sorry, uh, we have another super chat from Alex again. <laughs> just making it rain. Uh, says, Bobby, look at the draft. Mike McCarthy's turning it around. He paid so that you could hear that comment. I feel, I feel like we need to take Alex to the champagne room. Calvin, <laughs> uh, go ahead. Um, I'm definitely in the middle uh, of the two of you on, on Mike McCarthy. Um, I've, I defended him a lot last year. Um, and uh, I, uh, I think so far in the one game that we saw this year, I did not like his decision-making and a lot of it does fall at his feet. Um, ultimately as it pertains to his job security, it all depends on one man and that's Jerry Jones. Like Jerry will make excuses for you if he likes you. And if he's ready to move on from you, then the things that is that's your responsibility, then that's going to be you're going to be held accountable for that. Um, obviously, it sucks to lose players, but Mike McCarthy's one Super Bowl year in Green Bay, they were missing tons and tons of players. He always talks and he, about and he it. He loves to brag about that, right? Exactly. He, he brags about it a lot, and it didn't work out last year. But you know, I always went back to well, the year he won the Super Bowl, he didn't lose Aaron Rodgers. He lost Dak Prescott last year, but mm. this year he has Dak for now. Um, and he is losing other players around him and we'll see if, if he can replicate that kind of magic. And if not, then it'll, you'll have to come back to, well, what does he do as a head coach? Tony. So then, um, fix this. Like who, who do we, who are we mad at? Like, are we just mad at like the world? You know what I mean? Like what, where does, where does our, where do we displace this, this anger, this frustration? Because this DeMarcus Lawrence thing does feel like the, the our pets head is falling off moment, right? It feels like the break point. It feels like, man, like we already dealt with Zach Martin missing the opener and we lost. Oh man, this sucks. Okay, cool. Zach's back. Randy's gone. Holy crap. We're already <laughs> dealing without Neville Gallimore. Now Lyle Collins is suspended. Michael Gallup's hurt. You know, like this, this feels like I don't blame people for getting broken by this as a fan. So like, where do you, you know, like name somebody, give us a name, Tony, to be upset with. <laughs> You can't put it on one thing. I think Bobby hit it on the head. He said, Don't you know, when, when, you, Don't when, you came, when we came off the field at the end of week one, you're like, okay, this is who we understand is hurt. You know, Michael Gallup's in a boot. And then it just progressively got worse as the week went on. And now we're sitting here at Wednesday and it's like we're down both the ends and, you know, Donovan Wilson isn't going to play. We shouldn't be mad at anybody. I think it's one of those like shake your head and just like laugh moments because it's like, all right, what else? You know what I mean? What else is going to happen? We still got three, four days till the game time. So um, it, it's a tough situation. And, you know, I try to stay as optimistic and positive as I can. But I think in our, in our group chat pre this, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted. It's week two. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sucks. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, it's, Bobby, are you a believer in vibes? Because right now the vibes are not good. The, the vibes are not immaculate. Um, no. The the vibes are bad. 
Um, and so it, you know, you could like you talked about, you know, if they win, there could be these like there could be these positive vibes. But it does feel like if they lose, it could be like that could be a terrible just week. And, and a little bit of a longer week too, because they play on Monday Night Football, and that's only one more day. But I mean, it feels like it could be rough. If they I don't know, I, I don't know about that. I think there's a little bit of, I think there'd be a lot of excuse. I don't want to say excuse making, but I think there'd be a lot that they would point to to go, we were in a unique, you know, situation. This was already always going to be a tough game. Bobby, I think Alex, there's uh, another super chat says, Bobby, you can take Mike McCarthy's shrine off the wall. Okay, I'd never had one. I don't know what that means, but uh, Alex, I, you gave two dollars to say it, so I will. Uh, I'll say yes. Um, I, I, I think that there's only positives that can come out of this game. Like I think, like I think if they if they if they win or if they're competitive, I think it's something they can build on. If they, they even get run out of the stadium, I just think there's going to be a lot that they can point to, maybe fairly or unfairly. I think there's just going to be a lot they can point to to say we didn't have our tackle. You know, we were down both defensive ends. We, we had all this stuff going on. Um, and so, like, I mean, I, I think there's going to be enough that they can point to that they can lean on and say things will be different next week. And it is still early in the season that I, I don't think it's going to be crushing to them if they any outcome is either a net neutral or a net positive, I think, for them. Do you agree, Hammond? Is this a like we can only go up from here type of game in, in a weird way? That's sort of liberating. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like, hey, you know. I, it's, it's, it feels not the same thing, but kind of like this never happened to me. You're a really bright guy, Hammond, so I'm sure it did to you uh, at Arizona State, right? Correct. Um, yeah. You know, like, or you, you already had, like, your A locked up in the class and, like, the people that always brag, like, I can get a 14 on this test and still get an A in the class. Uh, so it kind of feels like that a little bit. I don't know if that analogy totally fits. I think it fits. And I think for, for more than anything, um, they still play in the NFC East. Uh, mm. And those three other teams, like the, I think the only other team that was a legitimate threat was Washington, mostly because of their defense. Well, they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick for the next uh, however many weeks he's supposed to be out, and they're rolling about with the same Taylor time Heineke. frame that Demarcus is supposed to be out now. By the way, about six days. Right, and and so now they're going to roll with Taylor Heineke, who looked good in his one game in the playoffs, but that's his, it's one game that he played and didn't even. I I don't remember if he actually started the game, but even then. Um, he's now going to have to be the starter for multiple weeks. Uh, the Giants did not look like they had anything really going this past week. Um, and then Philly won, but it was against one of the teams that is probably going to be even worse than they are this year. Um, so I think that, you know, th this team still has a lot of talent, especially on offense because of Dak Prescott. He has Amari Cooper and he has C.D. Lamb. Um, Ezekiel Elliott might even carry the ball this week. Uh, so they have a lot of talent on offense and offense is ultimately what can propel you to get a win more so than good defense, not saying defense doesn't matter, but they can survive. Uh, Bobby, you are kind of our cash cow. How am I not to just abruptly pivot, but Alex with the next super chat says, Bobby, I disagree. Jason Garrett would not have them prepared. Let's circle back to that. Um, mm. while, while we give Bobby a chance to think yes or no, Tony. Would, would Do you believe that Jason Garrett would be able to steer the ship better in this sense beyond the fact that he was just their guy, that he was super professional? Like, that seems to be his most redeeming quality here. 
I mean, you think that's kind of what it is with Jason Garrett, right? Everything is just like even killed. You, you, you get blown out, you, you win a big game, everything is right there. It's the, mm-hmm. it's about the right kind of guy, and it's about, you know, winning the day and fight, right? So I, I don't know if, you know, as many cliches as you can throw out there for Jason Garrett and how many phrases he has. But um, last year, and like it, it kind of comes off hollow because, you know, a team won the Super Bowl, and somebody figured a way to make it work in a, in a, in a crazy year, and we didn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the kind of looking at the hand that everybody was dealt and including us losing the quarterback, I don't, I, I just don't see how Jason Garrett would have been personally, you know, better than Mike McCarthy in the instance. You lose your quarterback and things just unraveled. Bobby, defend that. In fact, D Shift says, hell no. He won one game without Romo in 2015. Yeah, and then he won 13 games without Romo in 2016. So, yeah, but I mean, the, but, so, so, but the, the common denominator for any greatness since 2016 is Dak Prescott. Right. That's that's and I think yeah. we would all agree with that. Like that's the mm-hmm. common denominator. And I think to the point you brought up how the Cowboys play in the NFC East, I don't want to speak for all of you, but I think we would all agree Dak is a top ten player in the NFL. He's a top five quarterback, some would argue top three quarterback, whatever. He's a top ten player. If you start to include the Aaron Donalds and TJ Watts of the world, he's you know, however you think that ultimately shakes out, he is the only top no, nah, I mean Chase Young might be in that mix, but he is the only supremely influential top ten player in the NFC East, which means that, you know, he could be the rising tide that lifts all boats. But Bobby, I'll allow you the floor now. Um, so I think that Jason absolutely makes a different last difference last year because a lot of their issues were culture related and culture was always Jason's biggest strength. Sure. I, I, I don't know that, you know, the this first game, probably not. There were it didn't seem like there were any culture issues or chemistry issues or preparation issues from the first game against the Buccaneers. So that's not I don't necessarily mean that one, but I do think that like heading into this game and, and I'd rather have Jason preparing them for all this turmoil than Mike McCarthy. Um, and I do think that he makes a difference last year. I, I don't think you have the Xavier Woods issues with, you know, effort. And I don't think you mm-hmm. see them just flat out quitting in some of those games. They never quit on Jason Garrett. Yeah. Or, or if it happened, it was very rare. So, um, Bobby, I do want to bring something up uh, that D Shift says here. McCarthy beat Jason Garrett with Matt Flynn, and so that's true. Uh, I believe the Packers. The Packers, t- the Packers the- beat the Packers beat the Cowboys with Matt Flynn. Mike I, McCarthy didn't do. I believe thing. that was tied for the greatest comeback um, in Green Bay Packers history. By the way, uh, when that happened, but it does feel like. All these other teams can pull off these things, right? Like, you know, all these other teams can, like, have, you know, disasters encircle them and still find a way. Mike McCarthy is part of some in Green Bay. And now it feels like this team, no matter who's involved, can't do it. Um, maybe that maybe you don't think the Cowboys are at a disaster level, but it certainly feels like I, we're at, like, DEFCON 2. Is that fair to say? I mean, so, like, this team has not thrived in DEFCON 2, regardless of who the head coach or I don't even want to, you know, take this away from Dak, but regardless of who the head coach or quarterback are, this this is a common denominator for this team. When when the crap hits the wall, when it's when serious adversity, football adversity hits, you're right. Jason Garrett, incredible person, in, in, incredible leader through off the field adversity, things like that. But football adversity has plagued this team time and time and time again. Yes, but I, I mean, I think that, like I said, I'm not saying Jason Garrett. It, it wasn't time to move on from him. I know. I'm right. just saying that that I think by comparison, they win more games last year with Jason Garrett. They they handle things better last year. 
with Jason Garrett than they do with Mike McCarthy. I just I've never I've never seen a coach more removed than Mike McCarthy. I, I mean, I had this. Uh, I think I've told this story before publicly, but I've told it privately a bunch. But I'll tell it publicly. Um, <laughs> Hammond, it was the most bizarre drinking? thing. What are you What are you drinking, Hammond? Just coffee. Look at that. Um, okay. Late. Uh, so Bobby, Bobby, two things, two things, two super chats. Alex again says those players are Jason Garrett guys and Dan getting in on the mix says it's revisionist history to say Garrett was good at all, but go ahead. I didn't say Garrett was a good coach. I said, Garrett was a good culture coach. There's aspects like there are certain aspects that make guys, but I mean, the calling card for Mike McCarthy's whole career has been offensive play caller and like, and like, you know, offensive guy. And he's not doing that now. So I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what his responsibilities are. And here's the thing you guys, RJ, I know you've sat up in the press box two hours before a kickoff. Have you ever seen a coach come out any earlier onto the field? There's a lot of people, assistant coaches, players come out, warm up, go back in the locker. Have you ever seen a head coach come out any earlier on the field than the warmups right before kickoff? Um, I mean, the answer now, like one game in, would be Robert Sala. Just, I mean, because it's like they, they, like people make a big deal about him, like running the bleachers, you know. So, like that would be the literal. But answer. outside of that, had you no. seen somebody ever come out? Well, like- I was, I mean, I was asked the question. There's a super chat on the line here. You know what I mean? I don't want to not take the super chat seriously. Before uh, the Pittsburgh game, right? It's two and a half hours before kickoff, and Mike McCarthy's just standing over by the tunnel, and one of the Pittsburgh guys comes up and coaches and talks to him for. 30 minutes and then the guy leaves and McCarthy just kills time for the next 30, 35 minutes until Zeke got out there to warm up his hamstring or his calf or, or whatever was bugging him last year. Um, but I've never seen a coach come out at all. Kind of hang around the field three hours before kickoff, much less spend an hour just sitting out there doing nothing. It, it's just the most, and you just, you talk to people and you hear stuff about from green Bay and even stuff now. And it's, just, there's a little bit of a question of like, what is it that he's got his hands in? He's not even making the calls on special teams. He's letting his special teams coordinator with a headset make those decisions. He's letting Kellen run everything on offense. Dan Quinn does everything on defense. This this there, feels there, like there's like the, very the, little that he feels he's got his hands in. This feels like the conversation that encircled Jason Garrett kind of circa 2014, right? Like, what's he doing? If, but if, but you, you know, could like, always say that Jason was the CEO and the leader and like McCarthy clearly did not have those traits last year. So if he does not do that, if that's the only thing you'd be doing, if you're the CEO coach, like Jason was, what is it that you're doing? So, okay. This conversation pivoted mostly because of super chats. They're not really my fault as the the host here, uh, by the way, Dan, oh, is it, you're, Dan saying, is, you're saying it's somebody's fault. Dan I know. Dan is back uh, with a two, with a super chat. Says coach clap. Garrett leadership was always a problem. Dan, I will, Bobby, Bobby, we've people in the this, locker room and around the league will refute we've, that. We've I mean, you can this, feel that way, but they will refute that. We've we've used this phrase a thousand times, but it's true. At least it was true up until probably Buffalo on Thanksgiving, Chicago the week after in 2019. They never quit on Jason Garrett ever. They never did. Even when they lost to the Jets in 2019, they came back and destroyed the Eagles the following week. That that was just kind of always the thing. But the reason all of this is relevant, Halman, is because. Like to that point, you know, Cowboys lose to the Jets, super embarrassing. First team to lose to them that year, 2019. They come out, they flex on the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Dak has the hip dance, everything, blah, blah, blah. So 
I don't want to say that this is certainly not the first like point of adversity that Mike McCarthy's facing. This might be the first point of adversity he's facing with Dak Prescott because the water never really got like hot last year. Yes, they were, you know, two and two um, or, th- or one and three entering that game against the Giants last year that they ultimately won when Dak got hurt. But you mentioned it like, OK, last year, you know, whatever. He didn't have his quarterback in 2010 with the Packers. He did have Aaron Rodgers. So he has that. He has that staple. He has the most important thing. So how does he respond? Because this losing to Marcus Lawrence is al- not almost as consequential as losing Dak because there are people that don't want to pay Tank his due. But this is this is bigger than losing Lyell. This is bigger than losing Randy Gregor. This is bigger than losing Neville Gallimore. This is about as big as it could possibly get for about half of the season and a season where a lot is on the line. I think um, I, I think that this is really going to be the first test of what culture Mike McCarthy has brought, and we're going to get to see what he's actually brought. Um, and to Bobby's point, I will admit that Jason Garrett was a he was incredibly great at establishing the culture he wanted. And the I run. think the issue, and and he also established <laughs> the run a lot. Um, my issue is that I think it was ultimately a losing culture because they didn't show up in the games that they needed to show up. Uh, how many years in the beginning were they winning you're in in week 17 and they always lost. Um, and I think that uh, I think Mike McCarthy has a very different culture. And I think last year, especially losing Dak because he's such a big leader in that locker room, it was a massive culture shift from what people were used to with Garrett to what McCarthy has been doing in green Bay. And you can obviously debate how successful that was in Green Bay because of everything, how it ended between him and Aaron Rodgers um, and how much of that was on Rodgers, how much of that was on Mike McCarthy. You know, it, there's there's a great debate there. But he's had the year to to get to know these players, to bring in other guys that he wants. He's had a year to establish that culture. And he still has Dak, who's the heart and soul of that locker room. So this is going to show us, did that culture stick? And if it did stick, is it going to be as much of a winning culture as it was in Green Bay. Um, mm. We'll get to see. But it's I think it's definitely one of those years that is going to define Mike McCarthy's tenure in Dallas for however long it lasts. Yeah, it's really true, certainly. Um, this, this is, this is I don't say it's make or break, but this is going to go a long way. Tony, we've talked about culture. Uh, by the way, Deep Fried Sexy, not you, Hellman, uh, but the actual Deep Fried Sexy says, Lawrence will get back for the NFC East December showdown, right? I believe four of the Cowboys' last five games are against NFC East teams. Um, so, I mean, to Palman's earlier point, if you have to have DeMarcus Lawrence miss a stretch of time, you don't want it to be that one at the very least. Um, but, Tony, what is our thought or what is your thought on DeMarcus Lawrence? Bobby has to step away from the stream, by the way. He's, he's, he's going to go use all the money that Alex has been throwing at us on the Super Chats. Uh, but, Tony... What is your thought on the culture and what it will be like without DeMarcus Lawrence? Because so many people have talked about like, oh, this team doesn't have a leader on defense. People refuse to give DeMarcus Lawrence that crown. I think it's worth mentioning. And everyone in the stream, I know you're going to freak out about this, but they lost Tyrone Crawford over the offseason, who retired, something Mike McCarthy actually blundered, to be fair, uh, when when he accidentally told everybody. But um, so they are down 
and not that he was a great player, but he was unquestionably their leader. Sean Lee retired in the offseason. Now Demarcus Lawrence is gone. Who's the most – who's the – Randy Gregory's like Randy Gregory is on the leadership council. That was a big story throughout training camp. Neville Gallimore, who's one of the most talented players on that defense, is out. I mean, is it a stretch to say that the the guy is Micah Parsons in his second NFL game? Like, who 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 does that defense turn to? Because Jalen Smith wants it to be him, but who do they actually turn to? I mean, you stole my thunder with that because that was kind of where I was going with it. Um, Micah Parsons, right? They already give him the green dot. He's calling plays on the defensive huddle. The you know, as you look at it, Demarcus Lawrence is the best player on the defense. You know, whether he gets the credit, you know, whether it's his the disrespect is there or not, the facts remain the same. The team is different. The defense runs differently when he's not out there. And it he's that type of person that, you know, I think that the locker room respects him immensely, right? So when he says something, you listen. You could, And that's what I kind of loved about this year's Hard Knocks. There wasn't many, you know, big storylines or anything like that. But you got to see how Demarcus Lawrence talked to his teammates, and you got to see how he interacted with the younger guys who were fighting for a position um, and for, for fighting for a job. Um to answer your question, Micah Parsons, right? It seems that, I mean, he's got the attitude. He's got the moxie. He doesn't have an issue with, uh, you know, mingling with these guys. And, you know, if he's got enough confidence in his play, I could see him getting in his face. And I, I mean, I don't know if he's a rah-rah kind of guy, but we're, I mean, we're going to find out in this week two game exactly who they're going to lean on because that guy is no longer going to be on the field. That's a great point uh, that I kind of made, but you made as well, uh, Tony. Uh, Bobby, <laughs> you're back just in time for Alex's latest Super Chat. says, uh, Mike McCarthy drafted CD and Micah. Uh, Jason Graff drafted Taco and Tristan Hill. We don't have to relitigate the drafting of those. I know that upsets you, Bobby. Um, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I think, no, I'm not going to go over that again. I'm just saying, it, I don't think it's fair to say Jason drafted those guys and Mike sure. McCarthy nope. drafted yeah. those guys. In fact, Mike McCarthy had very little to do with the 2020 class because he had just come into the job three months earlier. Scouts had been working on that board for an entire year. That that I just want to clear up. That. That's very much a, a different issue. I don't think you can give the head coaches any credit or much, much credit for who gets picked. All right. He also, said that, front he, office. He also ahead, said that he hadn't met, uh, he didn't meet Mike, Micah Parsons before they drafted him. So right. he's not as involved as Will McClay or any of the scouts. Yeah, all of the great points. I mean, everybody wants to disparage Mike McCarthy. You guys are just mean. That's what it is. Y'all are just mean and negative. Is, is can I is. can I ask you something, RJ and Tony and, and David? Uh, I am. I was looking this up. You know, we talked about how like RJ you referenced that. You know, this is a game against the Chargers. It's one of the you know less meaningful games on the schedule ultimately to stuff. But given that Washington did lose to them last week, and that is one of the top tiebreakers. If you're tied head to head, you're tied in the division. The next thing is common opponent. So, is this game more sneakily important to potential tiebreakers down the road now that Washington's lost? Who do you want to answer it first? Delegate. Just question. go around. Oh yeah, no, I'm you, in charge here. Yeah. Um, Tony. Okay, you know I'm glad you brought that up because uh, when I looked at the schedule in totality, I, I figured the Cowboys in the first two games had to come out of there one and one, right? I figured right out the right out the gate, I figured if they're not going to lose, the, if they're going to lose the Tampa Bay, they have to find a way to win the Los Angeles game because there are some there are some winnable games coming up after that. So you hit the nail on the head with it, right? Washington loses this game, you want to kind of gain ground on them. They got a, a QB situation that you know is less than ideal, and yeah, I mean, 100%, you want to win this football game. So I do personally think this game is going to be a little more important than we're kind of giving it credit for. Bobby, again. RJ, RJ shut up. Uh, Dave, you go. 
Um, I mean, I think I think it's a good point to bring up. I think it's it obviously makes the game important. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, the path to the playoffs is very simple. You win your win your division and you get in. And they're playing in a fairly weak division. Uh, at least last year it was weak, and it looks to be similarly weak this year. And you know, take care of your division games, and that's going to be what gets you there. RJ, you may speak now. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to go a direction that I didn't anticipate going in, but I've been partly swayed by each of you. Um, so great job to all of you. Um, I think this is important, and I hate to make this about like narrative. This is important because like what we've talked about, like the culture, the who you are, you know what I mean? Like, because if you go out and you and some of it, you mentioned this earlier, Bobby, depends on like how you win, how you lose. Like if they lose, just like what if Justin Herbert like throws for 500 yards? So, you know, like maybe you just ran into like an elite performance. But if they go and they win, that's such a powerful thing, especially to your point, the week after they beat Washington, not only or beat them, but their offensive line handled the pass rush. Maybe and maybe they get like, you know, they, they had. The, you know what Washington had the lowest pass rush rate against the Chargers than anybody else did across the entire NFL in week one so what if the Cowboys show up and Terrell Basham and Dorrance Armstrong show up and like kick their ass you know what I mean like that's a huge boost of momentum for a stretch of games that is not necessarily not necessarily going to be difficult but it does kind of announce yourselves not to anyone but even to yourself right like you you walk a little taller you feel a little bit bolder and I don't want to say this team hasn't had that win in the Mike McCarthy era because the era is so small and short, but they kind of haven't had that win. I mean, I don't count any of the – I think the win in Minnesota last year was really powerful because they came off the bye, the watermelon smashing. I know you hated that, Bobby. Uh, we've talked about I that. I loved it. <laughs> so uh, I think that win was really, really powerful. But, you know, all of the momentum from that tragically got taken away from them and, and things became about, rightly so, more about football – or uh, more about life than about football, again, rightly so. So – if you look at their, they have one win with Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott that he played the entire game in, and it was the watermelon kick game, right? And that was fun and exhilarating and dramatic and cool, but it wasn't like a high quality win. You know what I mean? It was like when when you're starving because you haven't eaten all day, you've been working, and it's like 10 p.m. and you're like, I'll just go get fast food and because I need nourishment. I want the like prime rib, you know, sides I prefer. Nice appetizer, palate cleanser, you know, cocktail on the side, classic tried and true meal. They have not had that yet. And again, the sample size is incredibly small. So in a, in a weird way, this would go a long way towards being that. Even if it is another Dak lifts them, is heroic, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But they really, really, really need that. So that, all of that is independent of the fact that it's against the Chargers. Um, but what you said has merit, what you said has substance. And I think it would be particularly impressive, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt, uh, it would be particularly impressive for the Cowboys to beat them this very next week to kind of prove we don't, you know, yes, we, we, because everyone right now, or at least everyone from Thursday night until Friday morning was hyping the Cowboys up about this team can go the distance with the world champions, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, everything broke. And so this would, I think, reignite some of that confidence and say, okay, you know, that wasn't a fluke that they went head to head with Tampa. They really can compete. They can handle adversity. They can be coached up. They can, you know, all the lame cliches that you want to throw out. I think this is a really significant moment for them, not necessarily a game, if that makes sense. It does. No, I think, and like I said, I think that last week was such a big deal, even losing it. I know nobody wanted to talk about the moral victories, but it was such a big deal to me because, that when Dak Prescott went out, 
and and I guess that's where my biggest point comes in with with Jason is that I think if Jason's there, the locker room doesn't collapse the way it did, and it collapsed. That we had not seen things get that tense in that locker room and and that seemingly disorganized in a long time. I mean, it's one week he's out of the locker room and guys are talking to the media about these coaches don't know what they're doing. And I mean, it's you wouldn't have seen that otherwise. And so I think that last week that was a a big deal. And, um, you know, that they were able to hang in there and hang tight. And I also think we saw a little bit last week some of Dak's new tendencies of leadership. Uh, RJ, I know you and I talked about it, that, you know, he, he got in Biotish's face a little bit. He got in Carlos Watkins' ear on the sideline when he got flagged for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. He's getting a lot more vocal, a lot more, uh, I think, demonstrative. And so I, I'm especially interested with the challenges that cropped up this week to see if that new style of leadership or, or, or that intensified style style of leadership, if that's again on display this week and, and how it affects them. So it all comes back to Dak ultimately. Right. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. but like, I mean, this is dramatic, but if, if you had to, you know, if the Cowboys were uh, a sunflower, right. A sunflower and you picked off the, what, what are the ones with the petals that you pick off? Sounds I mean, that's a lot of flowers. I don't know that it's just a sunflower. <laughs> like your classic flower with a lot of petals, and you had to pick. You should them have off. had. You should have had that analogy more clearly in your head before you tried to make it. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but you and you had to leave one petal, right? Like you know, it's kind of you know, leave Dak Prescott alone, right? Like you could take. I mean, all due respect to Lyle Collins, Demarcus Lawrence, Neville Gallimore, Donovan Wilson, Randy Gregory. You could take all them, but as long as Dak Prescott's there. You got a chance, right? And not not just because he's the team's quarterback, because he's Dak Prescott. Like we we are learning that more so than ever. If anyone somehow is unaware, I mean, he is the reason, is he not, Hellman? He is the reason. I mean, he not only is he a great great player, but the oh Odessa oh, says daffodils. That's what I was thinking of, by the way. Just so everybody daffodils. <laughs> oh gosh, you're terrible, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> we were all sitting here going daffodils, and you just weren't not listening. Go ahead, <laughs> I didn't want to give you the answer. Yeah, go ahead, Howman. So Dax, the guy, Dax, the reason for the season and everything, huh? Yeah, no, I mean he's he's a great player. He's playing ever since he refined his mechanics with with John Kitna back to the 2019 season. He's playing at a level that very few quarterbacks play at. And on top of that, he's also an incredible leader in the locker room and probably one of the best locker room leaders that this franchise has ever seen. Just as far as the way that he's able to interact with players, motivate them, keep them accountable. Um, And when you combine all of that, it makes everything else not easier because playing, playing football at this level and playing it for 17 games and hopefully the playoffs is still incredibly hard, but it's easier for Dak to take care of those things because of who he is as both a player and a leader. Um, I think that's well said. Tony, as we start to wrap up, Jaime with the Super Chat. Thank you very much, Jaime. Says, any way that Dan Quinn can scheme up a pass rush or not? We have kind of touched on Dan Quinn, but we've we've talked about, some of you have chastised Mike McCarthy, uh, Dak Prescott, Randy Gregory. Somehow Alden Smith's name has been mentioned more than Dan Quinn, but like, this is this is supposed to be Dan Quinn's thing, right? Like Dan Quinn, you're here. You're supposed to save everything. Like, you know, how much pressure falls on him? Do you think he can fix this? Do you think Dan Quinn has a plan? Tony, go ahead. 
you know, I, I think I touched on it early on in our, in mm, our live here, <laughs> you know, not to, you know, not to put myself out there, but early on, I'm like, we're going to figure out just how they can scheme it up. Is it, is it Jalen Smith pass rushing, right? I mean, he didn't have many snaps in the first game. Is this a role that he can, you know, carve out for himself? Is Michael Parsons going to get a lot more action on the edge here? And, you know, it's, it's, you know, and then you're going to see really how much has Dorrance Armstrong developed. I mean, he looked good in the preseason, but, you know, that doesn't always indicate that you're going to show up in the regular season. So, um, you know, Bradley and I, you know, are we going to see, you know, Chauncey Golston? There's, there's opportunities, there's guys here, and you, you wish they weren't trying to figure out what they were going to do in week two due to COVID and due to your best player having an injury. But there's going to be guys and there's going to be opportunities, and you, you think he's going to scheme up some, you know, some some blitzes and just different looks that we're going to have to fight because I think they're going to have to get unique in the way they find pressure. Mm-hmm. Bobby, give us um, give us a pep talk. The Cowboys or, or Cowboys fans should not feel like the season is over because, and you can't say anything as it relates to Dak Prescott. I'm not your pep talk guy. That's a terrible decision on your part. Um, I would say uh, rephrase the question for me again, or hit me with the question again. Cowboys fans should feel like the season is not over because, and your answer can't have anything to do with Dak Prescott. How Tony, I'm coming for you next. Because Randy and you Gregory, can't, you guys can't copy each other. So Bobby, you got the benefit of the doubt here. Because, <laughs> because uh, I mean, Randy Gregory is out a game, um, but it's not like you've lost your pass rushers for the entire season. Mm. Um, you've got Neville Gallimore will be back at some point. They were really high on him. I, I think you're still going to be able to get pass rush. You're still going to see Trayvon Diggs grow. Kelvin Joseph still needs to come back. There, there's Cross some guys that they're going to. There's respect. Yeah, you know the vibe. There's some guys that are, are going to be coming back down the road that'll, you know, make things easier for them. Um, but, I mean, overall, the offense is really good, and I think the players believe in Dan Quinn in a way they never believed in Mike Nolan. And so uh, the defense, just on effort and and uh, chemistry, I think is going to be better. And that, that's all they needed to be competitive this year was just better than terrible. Hellman, same question. But you can't copy Bobby or say anything to do with Dak Prescott. I'm going to say that it's it's not all lost because their head coach and their defensive coordinator have both done this before and won a Super Bowl. Mm. And in Dan Quinn's case, he's he hasn't won multiple times, but he's been to the Super Bowl multiple times. These guys know what it takes to get there. They 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 may not be the best coaches out there. I mean, obviously Dan yeah. Quinn is not a head coach anymore. Um, but they've been through it. They know what they know what it takes, and they know that uh, that injuries happen, and the teams that go to the Super Bowl are the ones that can overcome it. Good answers, uh, Tony. I'm going to spare you and, and change up the question. Um, what That's is not fair? What would you say, Tony, to the the Demarcus Lawrence, the hive that hates Demarcus Lawrence? Because there are a lot like. All there are tons of tweets out there right now. Like I got a tweet when I was, you know, everybody was talking about this, but I, I tweeted it out something about it, and somebody said, "Oh no, we're gonna miss out on three sacks." So, like, what's your what's your statement to these people, Tony? You're about to get where you, you know you're about to find out how wrong you were, right? And, and this, sorry, and, sorry, Tony. This feels like the people that last year were like Andy Dalton. 
could lead this offense. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and they were wrong then, (laughs) you know what I mean? And they're wrong now. So if those are the same group of people, then they're over two in the last two years in their hot takes. And, you know, DeMarcus, without a doubt, without a, you know, without question, this team is not better without DeMarcus Lawrence. I mean, what he does on the stat sheet is minuscule compared to how his effort in his run game and how he plays the game as a whole. This team is not better without it. And I would hate to say, you know, we're about to learn our lesson, but, you know, hopefully I'm wrong and somebody, you know, if somebody comes up in the ranks and they play well, but we're about to find out what this team looks like without him. Mm. Let's put this thing down, flip it and reverse it. Tony, uh, Cowboys or Chargers, who wins Sunday now that we know this news? I'm still on the Cowboys. I, I, you know, the QB we shall not name, right? You said don't mention it. <laughs> don't mention his name. You so, can name it now. Um, that was just for that question. Okay. So you can name it. All right. Dak Prescott in this offense can shoot it out with anybody, right? This defense seems to be more opportunistic, whether they, they drop in your lap or not. They're around the football more. There's more talent there. Dan Quinn is simplifying the scheme and putting them in more advantageous spots. I think they can win any football game, and I would not be surprised to see them still pull the win out. Talman. I'm still going with the Cowboys for the same reasons that Tony said. I th- I like Justin Herbert, but I think Dak's a better quarterback, and more importantly, he's in a better scheme right now because Herbert is going going to be going on game two with his new offensive coordinator in a very different scheme from what he did last year. Um, whereas Dak and Kellen go way back, and we know what they can do when they're when they're working together. Robert. Uh, I also believe in for God, but that's not why, uh, like, I, I mean, I, you're always going to be competitive with him, but I mean, there's only so much that you're going to be able to do when the cards are stacked against you. I just, I think it's going to be really tough for them to get any sort of pressure on Justin Herbert. I think that uh, I'm not anticipating Terrence Steele's going to do a very good job. I think Dak's going to be under a lot of pressure more than he was last week. Um, and, and there was a lot last week that he was, he was, you know, kind of having to work around. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, I, I think they keep it competitive, but I, you know, I just, I still think the Chargers win this one. Mm. I, and I think it'll happen on a uh, Rashawn Slater pancake that frees up Justin Herbert to throw a game winning touchdown to Jalen Guyton. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Cowboys legend. <laughs> yeah, see. <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt Davis says, thank you, Bobby. Keep it real. Do you feel like you keep it real, Bobby? Is that how you feel? Every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow um, i wanted to tell everybody why i got the calvin ridley jersey but you wouldn't anyway it's time for us uh <laughs> to sign off um bobby everyone can follow on twitter bobby bell tx howman on twitter at underscore dh44 underscore nice little um you know uh border there uh tony is on twitter tony underscore catalina you guys are wilding with these uh these underscores you know going everywhere uh so uh yeah tony and i and maybe bobby will be here tomorrow we will have a watch along for at least the first half of the new york washington game on Thursday night. We'll talk about those teams, anything else that comes up as well. Um, one last word to describe the state of the Cowboys from each of you. Tony, one word, go. Disarray. Howman. Come back to me. Does, what? Okay, Bobby. <laughs> can I can I use an expletive? No. <laughs> All right, then just pick your expletive. That's mine. Um. Wow. Okay. So kind of a, a, a choose your own adventure type thing. Uh, Howman. One word to describe the Cowboys deck. What? Uh, Matt Davis says dysfunctional. I don't think they're dysfunctional. <laughs> I, I would say um, just, it wouldn't even be a word. It would just be like a. <sighs> unfortunate. Like, there you go. That's the word. Unfortunate. Everything around them is unfortunate. It's the bad. Cowboys. This is fine. 
the Cowboys that meme are the, that says, I was going to say they're the Ben Affleck cigarette meme. That's that's what they are right now. Uh, I was going to say this is fine meme with the guy burning in fire around him. <laughs> this uh, is fine. J Rod that- goes death. So I mean, just you know, that's a little bit if too far. The, if they're if they're Ben Affleck, does that make Jason Garrett or Jennifer Lopez? But we Come went back, back to, to Jennifer. Yeah, Ben Affleck went back to Jennifer <laughs> Lopez, though. Right, it's not coming back. Sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards. Maybe it's maybe he's Jennifer Garner. Yeah, you know I mean, like mm. they, you know, they had Daredevil, good times. You know, like I, I think the Cowboys with Jason Garrett were more Daredevil than they were. Was it Geely or or what was? How do you pronounce that movie? Geely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, so <laughs> I'm just, you know. <laughs> That was rough. Boy, your um, your analogies, daffodils, Geely. I don't know what the hell. I didn't bring the Jennifer. The Jennifer I know, Lopez but you really, you really, you really tried to take hold of it, and you really struggled. I'm just saying. <laughs> I did not. I forgot what that movie was called. Look, I, look, we're we're bros, and I'm always going to be honest with you. Not your best performance tonight. Mm, that's okay. I'll strive uh, to be better. That's uh, that's uh, how it goes. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. You can also listen to this on our podcast network. If you didn't get a chance to see the whole live show, you can also rewatch it. Obviously. Bobby, Halman, Tony, you guys are the best. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We love you all. We'll see you soon.